If you haven't figured it out, you're a visitor. Um, we have uh, Neil and Tanya from the UK over here and uh, leading worship. And that was like our interview right there. That was like... They were working to earn our love and see, uh, you know, they're, they're praying a lot to see if they're a fit with us, and we're praying to see if they're a fit with us. And so uh, you can be praying about that now that they're off the stage. For the love of St. Christopher, please act normal if you go talk to them, okay? Don't go super spiritual or whammy pray them or hit them in the head and say, Jesus just told me you're supposed to be here because you like their worship. All right, just be normal, Okay. When Jesus came to the earth, he was very normal. When Jesus came and he ushered in the heavenly kingdom of God, he did it in a very normal way. You know, Daniel 7 talks about, and the Son of Man came, and this is what it looks like. The Son of Man is a reference to Jesus Christ before God comes again and what his ministry will look like on earth. And he talks about restoration in Daniel 7, these things. But Son of Man is this title. And when we read about the Son of Man coming... You know, you might expect for the rest of that to be, he came with big angelic armies to conquer the Roman government. Or he came and he brought in the spiritual scepter of gold and hit people over the head with it and they began to follow him. Or he came like the Jaguars did anticlimactically on Monday night with fireworks and bells and whistles. But that's not how Jesus came. And he tells us and shows us in scripture that that's not how his kingdom will come. It won't come like that. And he gives us this model for what the son of man, when he comes, what it looks like. It's very simple. And I'm going to go through this, but I'm convinced that he did it because we had to do it also. We had to reproduce it. So if like he would have come with the big golden scepter, we would have had to have big golden scepters. If we would have come with fireworks, we'd have to bring it with fireworks. But that's not what he does. When he brings his kingdom, he brings it through very basic means, very intentional means, in a very relational way. And today what I want to look at is what does it look like when Jesus comes? How did Jesus bring his kingdom? And who has he come for? No. Why has he come and how does he do it? Who has he come for? You'll find out. Sinners, tax collectors, and people who rob liquor stores, according to Tom Rossi. But, um... You haven't said that enough for that to even be funny anymore. I know. Tom has this thing with robbing liquor stores. I think he's worried about Tommy maybe growing up and doing that. So he's just like preempting the prayer. I know. Don't talk about me cursing Tommy by doing that. Oh, you, yeah. Okay, here we go. Anyway, let's look at Scripture first. And we're going to see in here, I believe, again, we read Scripture like this, and we're like, no, 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 no. That's just too simple. No, 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 no. I have like these seven steps. There's all these books written about how we should be doing church. And the way Jesus talks about doing it is so radically different. Certainly that can't be the truth. But again, River City Church, we love the Bible. The Bible is our foundation for all of our thinking and theology and how we do church, how we do life. And these are Jesus' words on what his kingdom, what it looks like to bring his kingdom, who he brings it to, and how he does it. All right, here we go. This is Luke 5. I'm going to read a little bit from Luke 5 and then, verse, and then Luke 7, just a few verses. It says this. After this, he went out. Jesus, and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others, and other translations that says sinners there, all right? 
a large company of tax collectors and sinners reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then in chapter 7, he follows this just after chapter 5, comes chapter 6, and then chapter 7. And he says this in verse 33. For John, this is Jesus talking here. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say he has a demon. The son of man, he's referring to himself as the Messiah right there. Because the Jews would know he's talking about son of man. It's a huge, big word. Okay, so he's saying the Messiah, myself, has come eating and drinking. Remember chapter 5, what they just said about him. Why do you drink with eating sinners or whatever? has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I don't know what that last part means, so we're going to skip it. I didn't study that. Let's pray. What? Look at this. Never noticed this either. Lord, we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart to understand your word. Not, be because, not because we want to think correctly or more correctly, but we want to live the way Jesus lived. We want to do the things Jesus did because we want to serve you because we love you. And if this is your way, we want to do it. We want to get caught up in your kingdom and what's happening in your kingdom. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and open our hearts and open our minds and, to sh- and show us what this might look like. Why has he come and how does he do it? Well, in the first part, it says that he came, why? To call sinners to repentance. That's Jesus' objective, to call sinners to repentance. And again, like if I said, hey guys, you need to go call sinners to repentance, it would be a train wreck. You would lose friends. You would be called, you know, spiritual, like over spiritual. You'd hurt people. Because when I say call sinners to repentance, you go around being like, look, you need to change the way you're living or you're going to burn in hell. I'm sorry, but you're swinging over hell on a rotten vine and it's about to break. You need to change. Repent. That means turn the other way, run from what you're doing, and do this. You need to go do, do, do. That's what we would do. That's what we've done. I'm only saying that because that's what the church has done for years and years and years. Whenever we talk about calling sinners to repentance, we see billboards and signs saying, God hates blank. Stop doing this. If you want God to love you, do this. You need, if this is your lifestyle, you need to repent. And that's what we've taken away from that. We read that. Jesus called. So we see this reality, okay? Jesus calling me to call others sinners to repentance, all right? That's, you understand that? So that's what we're after here. That's the goal here. But how he does it is so jacked up and backwards that it is uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable. It's so, I've never heard, I mean, I'm not like a rock star teacher, all right? But I read things in the Bible and I go, how have I been a Christian for 25 years and no one's ever told me this? How, how could I be leading a church, have been in ministry my whole life, and no one has ever pointed this out to me? How simple it is to bring God's kingdom, to call people to repentance. How does he do it? The Son of Man, it says, comes eating and drinking. That's God's like mission strategy. He comes eating and drinking. 
He, be, he comes being a, becoming a friend to people with the point, with the desire, with the purpose being getting them to change their life and come to him. But the method that he uses is not like, hey guys, we're gonna get together and we're gonna clean the temple this week. And, and, and I'll tell you what we're gonna do. You know, like some of the awkward, like religious stuff we got in the temple, we're gonna kind of clear those out and make it like, Jewish friendly and maybe a little Gentile friendly. We'll let them in the inner court. We never did that before. And we're going to do the strategy. And if we do these three things and we, we get everyone to come to the temple and when everyone comes to the temple, then I'll do like this watered down kind of message and make them like me a lot. And then at the end, I'll have like, I'll have them come forward. And when they come forward, I'll tell them, look, you need to repent. You need to turn, you know, and, 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 if, and if you do, you won't go to hell. I mean, that's what we do. We design our church services in a way, and this isn't bad, I'm not saying that this is bad, I'm just saying that what we've been modeled is the way we bring people to repentance, the way we bring the kingdom of God is through program, is through shaping our church service to look and to feel and to be a certain way. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of books written about this, how to save the lost. And Jesus says, son of man, I've come, this is what it looks like. I'm a friend of sinners, and I eat and drink with them. That's my mission strategy. I build relationship. I eat and drink with sinners. That's what we're called to do as a church. That's what we're called to be as followers of Christ. If we want to do what Jesus did, and we want to live like Jesus lived, this is the model that he's giving us. This is what he's showing us. This is what the God, all the gospels, all this, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's three. I'll have this story in it. I'll have both of these scripture texts in it, which tells us it's really important. This is something that none of us missed. This is something that we really want to emphasize because you know why? You're going to get it wrong. Because you're going to want to neglect being on the ground and being relational with sinners. Eating and drinking. Again, why would Jesus make it so simple? Because it has to be sustainable. It has to be sustainable. Again, if we all needed golden scepters, how awkward would that be? Like, where do I get my golden scepter? I just became Christian. I need my like golden, like hit people in the head to make some Christians thing. I see you guys have that. Where do I get that? You know, or what if it was like when you became a Christian, you get like this sword and you have to like jab people with it. Hey, how you doing today? That's great to know you. Whoa, hey, whoa, I'm a believer. That's awesome. We had to go find our swords or whatever. But I mean, but it has to be sustainable. You know, I did P90X. I didn't do it for P90, like P80. P80X for 80 days. And, uh, and I know you'd never, I mean, you might think that because of my awesome physique, but probably not. And uh, there's someone on our, on our staff. <laughs> I couldn't get to do it. They're like, dude, I'm not even starting that. That's ridiculous. That's way over the top. It's unsustainable. You cannot sustain that. You know, and so for about the last 70 days, that drove me more than anything. I'm, like, I'm going to show you it's sustainable. You know, and so I try and try and try. So I did like P80X or whatever. And, uh, and have never done it since or even thought about doing it since. When I think about it, I get a rash. And so I'm just saying. So. But there's something about the way Jesus tells us to bring his kingdom, who he tells us to bring it with, that's intentional so that we can replicate it, so it's sustainable. Because we, you know, we have to do it. He tells us, go and do this. 
He shows us, this is what it looks like to bring my Father's kingdom. This is how you do it, and this is who you need to be going to. And he knows we can do this, people. We can drink with people. We can eat with people. We do it every day. We have to eat. We have to drink. He's just saying and showing us that you need to be intentional to do it with the right people. And that's kind of the uncomfortable piece that we're going to talk about today. You know, you need, you know, one of the things that they said about Jesus, you know, you might think, well, was that really, did he really do that? Did he really do that? Did Jesus really, was that really the way that he did, did, did life and mission with people? Was that really his mission statement? Well, they called him a glutton and a drunkard. They said, they called him, he said, you're a friend of sinners. You're a glutton. You're a drunkard. What we know is this, that Jesus wasn't a glutton or a drunkard because that's sin. We know that he wasn't either one of those things. But what we know is that he was doing enough of that to be accused of doing it, right? I mean, you couldn't call someone a drunkard if they never drank. You couldn't call someone a a glutton if they didn't eat a lot of food. I mean, basically, the picture we have of Jesus is, you know, he's like partying with people. And he's partying not with just any people. He's like partying with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners and lawyers and, you know, what? I'm just saying. It's kind of what a scribe was. And, and, and Pharisees were there too. So pastors are in that group also. But we see him with sinners to the point where they're, they're saying, he's a friend. Look it, he's their friend. He's their friend. How can you be their friend? That's jacked up. Why? Look it, you're, and not only are you their friend, you're like a drunkard. You're drinking with them. And not only are you just drinking, you're eating with them. And in, well, in Jesus' time, that was a big deal to eat with people like that, to drink with people like that. It's like, look, dude, you can't be the Messiah. You're having way too much fun. The beauty of this model is this. Folks, we have more of a reason to party and to be happy and to be excited and to celebrate than anyone else in creation. We have more of a reason to be excited and to be partying and to be rejoicing and to be celebrating life to the full more than anyone else in creation. Yet we are the worst at it because we're so afraid of what other people are going to say about us. We're so afraid what might happen if we do that. We're so afraid of what our friends, our family, our children will think if we start really doing life with sinners, loving sinners. Neil Cole, this guy that wrote some books that Keith has read because I've made him about church, says this, I ran across this quote. If you want to win the world to Christ, you're going to have to sit in the smoking section. Laura hates the smoking section. If we're in a restaurant and like we're eating and the smoking section like drifts anywhere within like a hundred yards of us, you know, it's like, she's like, radar comes up. We need to move. Uh, There's something, I'm, I'm not sure, but that your restaurant might be on fire and we want to be near the exit. If we want to be serious about bringing the kingdom of God, the way that Jesus brought the kingdom of God, we need to be sitting with people that make us uncomfortable. We need to be doing life with people that are awkward. We need to be doing things with people that we just might get in trouble 
hanging out with them. What? I'm just, I'm just saying. That's what Jesus did. Jesus' reputation was getting in trouble because of the people he was choosing to hang out with. And again, we see it's just a simple thing. He's eating and drinking with them. And in this culture, again, that's welcoming people. He's associating with them intentionally to bring them in. He's showing them, I'm committed to you. I love you. I'm with you by doing this. And he's showing, I want you to belong to me. I want you to be with me. All of those, all of those things happened then and they happen today. When we eat and we drink with people, we say, look, I like to hang out with you. I think we belong together. I want to associate with you. You're welcome. You're welcome to be with me. I'm, I, and I love to be with you. So we see Jesus challenging us with this basic model, but this request that it's done with sinners. I mean, how many of us are friends with sinners? How many of us have friends? I mean, real friends that are sinners. People who drink too much around you. People, you know, who say things that are just super awkward and offensive. I mean, how many of you, I mean, when I think about my friends, I think about like my friends, like my close friends, like, the, like that's what I think of a friend as someone that like I'm doing stuff with, I'm hanging with, I'm hanging out with, I'm, you know, it's like where I'm, I'm watching the football game, I'm calling my friend over, you know, I'm going, I want to eat lunch with someone, I'm calling my friend. They're all Christians, every one of them, every single one of them. Not one, I couldn't think of one sinner. You know, maybe my spiritual solution was, but I mean, that was because I had to do it because, you know, I told you to. But I mean, I don't have, and I bet that most of you don't have people that are truly sinners, lost, people that would never go to church or are mad or angry at God, people who have been rejected by the church, people who have been rejected by the world. I mean, in Jesus' time, we're talking prostitutes. We're talking lepers. We're talking people who've been cast away from society. We're talking about people who were, you know, Samaritans, which were, would be, you know, like socially a nightmare. You know what I mean? Just like not good. And that's who Jesus was hanging out with. That's who is intentional to the point where it was costing him his relationship. You know, and I was starting to think, you know, why is that? Why is it hard for us to be friends with sinners? Well, it's inconvenient. You know, we might, well, Aunt, I came from that lifestyle, you know, and I can't go back to that lifestyle because I'm afraid I'll fall into that lifestyle. And, and I'm not, that's a reality. That's a reality for some of us. But that still doesn't dismiss you from the reality or the expectation that you're going to hang out with sinners, just maybe not those sinners. There's lots of sinners in our world. They come in all shapes and sizes, all flavors. It's awesome. They're everywhere. They are, I'm just saying. But we avoid people who are different from us. We live in different neighborhoods than those folks, ain't we? I just don't know about that. I'm worried about my kids hanging out with their kids, and I still know they might rub off on me. You know, and really, I'm too busy doing community with my Christian friends. I wrote that one last night about one in the morning when I was really thinking about it. Antley, why don't you really have any sinning friends? I mean, some of my friends are really good at sinning. (laughs) And if you include the staff in that, I'm doing well. I mean, I'm set. 
But they're all Christians. They're all Christians. But I'm too busy doing community with my Christians to have time to do what Jesus wants me to do. Sorry, Jesus. I got this thing going on. It's called community. You might want to try it out sometime. It's with all my close buddies. It's really good. We're going deep. We're going. It's awesome. It's really good. And not that there's anything wrong with community. But we aren't supposed to do it at the expense of being disobedient or not doing what Jesus did. And what we see Jesus doing all through the Gospel of Luke is hanging out with sinners, eating and drinking with him. There's over 10 stories in just the Gospel of Luke of him doing this kind of ministry. It's crazy to think that our model for a successful church looks like us pulling people out of the world, changing who they hang out with, training them to get rid of their old friends and relationships so that we can all hang out together. That's our mission strategy. Welcome to Christianity. That sounds like a cult. We wonder why people don't want to come and be a part of a Christian, you know what I mean? Because that's what happens. Hey, you probably need to quit hanging out with those people. They're a bad influence on you. You need to get away from them. You need to separate from them. And you need to hang out with us, you know. That's ridiculous, folks. That's that crazy. That's not Jesus' model. I promise you. I promise you. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus says, look, make some friends with some sinners and take them out to eat and drink with them and have a good time to the point where people might be uncomfortable. That's in, the people in your community might be uncomfortable with you. Or if people from the church walk by, you might get a double look. You know, I just, I was, I've been thinking about this, you know, and it just, it, it just made me... I get excited, you know, when I think about, because this is who we are as a church. I think we do this pretty well. But, but ask yourself, how many of you really have friends that are sinners? They would admit, they'd be like, yeah, I'm a sinner, I love it. Loving it every day. Don't know why you're doing that Christian thing, but I'm glad you're my friend and we're good friends. We do stuff together. You can do what you want. I'm going to do what my want. But I mean, how many of us? We don't. And I think that one of the reasons we don't embrace this model is because it forces us into a position that we'll lose control. You know, we, we, we lose control of what our ministry and what our life will look like. Because when you engage in relationship with people, when you truly become friends with people, things can get messy. You know, if you really love people well, things will get messy. I got this ladder here. I'm going to show you an illustration with it. You see, boom, I almost fell off it last night. You can see that on the web stream. See, righteous, religious church people and pastors, people who are in the church and people who have been brought up in the church and people who know everything about the Bible, who are great prayer ministers, you know, people who are spiritual, people who love Jesus a real lot, a ton, and the Pharisees is the example I'm going to use. have created this ladder or this hierarchy within Christianity. And it kind of works like when you're a new Christian, they invite you up to this step right here. And they say, see, doesn't this feel good? And you go, well, why does it feel good? And they say, well, because you're not down there anymore. You're not with the sinners anymore. And what's happened is you've removed yourself and classified yourself and created a hierarchy that separates you from them, Right? And so you start doing different things, acting a certain way. Your language changes, the Christianese a little bit. And, uh, 
You start doing things that they don't do, and it's justified because we're told by the church and by our church leaders that we're supposed to do this. But what happens is we separate ourselves. And then we, we, we're like, well, man, the more I do this, the better I feel about myself. This is awesome. And I have a better perspective, and I can, well, look at all those people down there that really need Jesus. And, I mean, I am on my way to my friend Jesus right here, and this is great. I'm in control. I like this. I'm having quiet times every day. I'm going to church every weekend. I quit smoking doobage. I'm not drinking. And this is awesome. I mean, those poor souls down there. Hey, you need Jesus. Come up on the first rung. It's real easy. Just repent. Quit smoking doobage and drinking so much. Come on up. That's great. Here you go. Here's some money. Oh, I'm sorry you're homeless on the street. Here's some money. Jesus loves you. Yeah, this is great. Is this relationship the way Jesus did relationship? No way. There is no way that this is relationship the way Jesus did relationship. Like, but where's Jesus? Like, he's way up here, right? Like, he deserves to be on the top. He's, Caesar. he's the king of the world. The universe. I mean, that's Jesus. I would stand up here. But I almost fell off the third rung last night, and it terrified me. And there's a good chance I'd grab something and rip down the speakers on the way. But this is where Jesus, and this is where the Pharisees saw Jesus. They, this is where they saw him. And this dro- it drove them crazy that he wouldn't just stay up there. That he wouldn't just conquer and crush everyone who's in a part of the Jewish nation. Why aren't you doing your thing, Jesus? You said you were going to come and rescue us. You know, and, and, and look at we're here on the ladder with you. We're the chosen people, and those are the pagans, and they are, they, you need to crush them so we can get on with life the way that you created it to be, you know? And this is what Jesus does. And this drove them crazy, and it drives us crazy too. It makes us really uncomfortable when we see Christians getting off the ladder and, like, hanging out with the sinners. And so we don't do it. That's why we really don't do it. Because we like being in control. We like being close to our Jesus up here that's pretty and clean and not messy and doing the things that pretty clean and non-messy Jesus does. That's what we like. And so Jesus is up here and he's like, excuse me, boys, excuse me, boys. I gotta get around. I gotta get around here. Yep, my father loves you, but I'm having a hard time with it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm just saying, Jesus had a hard time loving the Pharisees. He did it. Okay, so he gets down here He gets down here, and what happens? The Pharisees are left standing on this ladder with no God to worship, but who? Themselves. So Jesus crawls down. He says, yeah, guys, Messiah, son of man has come, not to be up there, but to be down here. This is what it looks like to bring my kingdom. It looks like doing life with sinners and broken people. There is no ladder. I've come down the ladder to fulfill the law but to no longer require the ladder for people to come to my father. I am the way, I am the truth. I am the way that people come to my father. And how does that happen? By eating and drinking, by doing life with sinners, building relationship, real life relationship with real broken people. If I asked each of you, how did you come to know Jesus? You're probably not gonna tell me about, man, there's this guy who's beating the crap out of me with his Bible and made me feel really guilty. And he said, you need to come to church. So I jumped on, that was awesome. And now I'm following Jesus, it's great. No, if I asked you, how did you come to know Jesus? Well, there was this person. That's how your story probably would start. There was this 
man or there was this woman and they just started being nice to me and they just started loving me. That's how most of us come to Jesus. But once, it's just, it's, it's just interesting to me that once we actually come, that we forget how we've come. And we forget and we stop hanging out with the people that God is calling us to be with. trying to figure out where to end you ready to do this you ready to try this or do you need to keep doing an illustration because I can still be funny pull you in some more but this is the reality folks is that most of us spend a lot of time on the ladder we like the ladder because the ladder makes us feel good it keeps us away from the riffraff that Jesus is calling us to that's just the reality we like being on the ladder. We like hanging out with Christians because, man, when we're on the ladder with a bunch of Christians, life is clean. Life isn't messy. It's controlled. We decide, we call the shots. We decide who we're going to minister to, when we're going to minister, and how it's going to look like. But that doesn't require us to trust Jesus. And you know what? For most people, myself included, that's not a sustainable model for me. That's not a sustainable lifestyle. I've done that, and it wore me out. It's exhausting to try to hold it together. It's exhausting to try to look pretty and perfect and have it all together all the time. You know how freeing it is to be around people that know they're broken? You know how freeing it is to be around people who know that they just, they don't have it together and that there's a part of them that's probably saying, man, I don't know what you have, but I want that too. I I wish you would spend enough time with me so that I could catch it. You know, I tell people that, Being a leader is something that's caught, not taught. Being a Christian, bringing people to Christ is not something you teach someone. It's something that's caught in relationship by doing life with them. And and I'll just challenge you. You might say, Antley, you know, I'm not that person. I'm not prideful. I'm not up on that ladder. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not any of those wrongs. But then I just challenge you to ask yourself, then why don't you have any non-Christian friends? Why don't you have any sinners that you're really friends with? that you really love. You know, I, I, the more I thought about this, I just thought, you know, how awesome would it be? How awesome would it be that we started having testimonies? Like, and they began with stuff like this. And then the police came. <laughs> or, and after he finished throwing up, I... Or his wife came in with a knife. I mean, what if we had testimonies like that? Or, and then he offered me a joint. I talked to someone last night who told me that. Yeah, I was in this deal, and we we're talking and hanging out, and this guy just kind of pulled out a joint and offered me some weed. And I told him, look, dude, he's like, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel really welcomed, associated, that we belong and that we're friends. I re- that's just not my gig, you know? But, I mean, how many of us have been in relationship or in relationship where any of those things might really happen? None of us. None of us. But that's where we should be, folks. That's what should be happening. I was talking to someone the other day. Someone, they're like, dude, they heard this talk, and they're like, yeah, just the other night, I was playing beer pong with someone that's a non-believer. If you don't know what beer pong is, it's like a drinking game. I'm like, I love it. How awesome is that? That's great. You know, again, 
not giving an excuse to sin. You know, you're not supposed to be the one that's pulling out the doobies like, hey, you want to light up? And Jesus loves you, and you're going to feel it now. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you should be sinning. Our, this is not an opportunity or excuse to sin. All I'm saying is Jesus' model is that you're with sinners. Jesus' model is that you're loving people who have been rejected. Jesus' model is that you're drinking and you're eating and you're being normal and you're doing life with people that might offend you, that might cause other people, if they see you with them, to be uncomfortable. So I'm working on this sermon and I, I'm starving. It's like the middle of the day. So I'm like, we're thinking about doing some creative stuff in five points. So I'm like, I'm going to go walk around five points. I'm going to pray. And I walk down to five points. And I'm walking and uh, praying about what I'm supposed to say. And, uh, I mean, it's hard for me to teach on something that's not in my life, you know. It's tough. And so uh, I'm, I'm walking, and, and uh, I see this, this young kid. And, I, and, you know, he's homeless. He ends up being a traveler, not a, a homeless person. It's called a home bum. But, um... He says, uh, he says uh, hey, uh, you got a few bucks you can spare? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, because I'm just like reading all this stuff, right? So I'm like, yeah, sure, I got a few bucks. And I even asked him his name. How awesome is that? Like, that was like, I came from like here to here. Hey, here's a couple bucks. And what's your name? You know, it's a little relationship there, all right? And so I give him the money. And then I like move on. I'm walking. I'm praying through five points. And God just starts to do something with me, like reminding, like bringing this kid Nick back to me, to my mind. So I go to Subway, I'm getting a sub, and I feel like, you know, just a small impression on my heart. God says, you should buy him a sub. I'm like, how easy is that? That's even, like, that's better than just, like, knowing his name and giving him a few bucks. I was like, that's me doing something, you know, like, buy him food. Okay, so I got him some food, and he says, well, why don't you get him a drink also? So I get a drink, and uh, I'm sitting in line, and I feel like he says, "And, and you know what? Why don't you do what you're writing about? Why don't you do what I did, Antley, why don't you sit down and eat with them? Why don't you sit down and drink with them? I'm like, Jesus, I've got a sermon to write, bro. He's like, I was like, i got stuff to do. I want to get home by my kids are getting home at 3 o'clock. i got to get home. I haven't barely done anything. It's 1 o'clock now. I don't have time. i got to work on my sermon. And Jesus just kind of gently says, Antley, this is your sermon. So I'm like, I'm walking back, knowing what's going to happen, right? So I walk back. I'm like, this is going to be awkward. This is going to be, he probably didn't want to be with me. I mean, he was all tatted up, had piercings everywhere. You know, this is one of those times you're like, I wish I had a tat, like a big old tattoo right here. A little credibility tattoo. Had a big honking earring or something, or like big loops in my ears. You know, look like I was from Africa or something. And uh, so I like sit down with him. I'm like, hey, dude, I just got you the sub. I got a veggie sub. I got this sub. You know, which one do you want? He's like, I'll take that one. I was like, hey, do you mind if I eat lunch with you to sit down? So I sit down with him. And for the next hour or so, I just spend time getting to know him. Here's a story. 15-year-old kid who left home six years ago because something happened with his family. He found the street, was on the street, homeless for two years, has been traveling for four, just traveling around from place to place to place. And uh, I was praying the whole time he wouldn't ask me, which is telling of how the church treats people like this praying that he wouldn't ask me what I did for a living. And I said, and I just was getting to know him, getting to know his story, getting to know, you know, just building a relationship with him because I was just read about it. It's the only reason I was doing it. And I was just trying to be faithful, step out, being obedient to what God's placed in front of me. And, you know, and I got around to asking, I was praying about how can I ask him a question, you know, that would kind of break the ice. 
and maybe move us towards the, Jesus. And, and I just said, you know, how has it been? You know, do people help you out? What's the hardest thing for you? And he says, well, just I never have money. I never have food. I said, well, aren't there people that help you out? He started telling me some stories. He started telling me, though, that most, I said, and then I said, well, what about the church? And he says, he goes, yeah. He goes, they usually want you to change the way you're living before they'll help you at all. And I just thought, that is so sad. We have the greatest reason to celebrate. We have the greatest reason to be doing life with people who are broken and, lo- and lost, and we just don't do it. I mean, in the middle of the conversation, he started dropping F-bombs and cussing and just, just being normal. I was like, this is awesome. I could probably drop a few F-bombs and be, like, cool with it. Like, I don't got a tattoo. I could cuss. This is great. But I didn't. But something in me kind of wanted to. I'll just be honest. And, you know, it just made me sad. It made me sad. It made me sad. And I, and I ended up leaving. I, you know, I gave him a subway card. He told me he was going to be here for the weekend. And I said, I said, I'm so sorry. The church has done such a bad job of, of loving and caring and helping care for you. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, you know, I said, I lead a church. And I said, it breaks my heart because Jesus' heart for you is that he would be here with you. He is here with you. He loves you. I said, it's just so sad that we have done such a bad job. He's like, yeah, I know. I know. He, he, you know, he was saying, I know that Jesus would be here. But he also knows that we're not. We've chosen not to. Because we're too worried what people will think about us. We're too worried about coming off our ladder and losing control of our life. And so next Saturday, we're going to help you do this. We've canceled church. It's the greatest, they say, the biggest cocktail party in the United States happens to be in Jacksonville. Next Saturday, the whole city's going to be partying. The whole city's going to be drinking. And the whole city's going to be eating. My challenge is, let's stop pretending to do church and bring sinners here. And let's go to where the sinners are. Let's go do life with people who are lost. Let's go do life, love, and bring Jesus in a relational way to people who are broken. People who don't know him. And here's the beauty of it. You don't even have to talk about Jesus. Just love them. Be their friend. That's what Jesus says. How do they come to repentance? By just being their friend. Be their friend. That's what we're not doing well. We know all the things to say to them. But we are not good at being their friend. And obviously, each of us run in different circles. And, 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 and in the corporate world, they're sinners. And in the business world, they're sinners. And in the, and in the you know different industries that we work in, the different life stages we're in, we're surrounded by sinners. And so it doesn't look like the same for each of us, but we're all called to be and to love and be friends with sinners. And then on Sunday morning, it's our only church service next week, let's have some testimonies to begin with. And I was tempted to smoke some weed, but I didn't. (laughs) Or I thought I might lose my job, but I didn't. Let's have some testimonies that reflect that River City Church is a church that's a friend to sinners. Let's stand.